0: What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. It's uh, episode 112. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere, a filmmaker, health and science journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Genius Foods and the genius life. I'm super excited on this episode of the show to welcome Dr. Thomas Levy, who is a board-certified cardiologist, and he's also a bar-certified attorney. Over the course of the next hour, we're gonna talk about all things vitamin C, which is a topic that Dr. Levy is incredibly passionate about. He's written a number of books on the topic, And he feels that vitamin C has a wide range of clinical applications and tends to be underappreciated in the conversation at large. So over the course of the next hour, you're going to discover all things vitamin C. This is a, a masterclass in the potential power of vitamin C. Um, to really optimize your health in a number of different ways. We're also going to talk about dental health, which is another topic that uh, Dr. Levy has written extensively on, and how dental health can uh, influence, in a potentially powerful way, systemic health. And then finally, we talk a little bit about food combining and get Dr. Levy's thoughts on that, which is not a topic that we've covered previously on the show. So there's a lot um, here, and I'm excited for you to, uh, to listen in. Before we dive in, I want to mention that this episode is sponsored by Live On Labs, which is the first dietary supplement company to use liposomal encapsulation technology to enhance the absorption of vitamin C. In other words, they were the first to make a liposomal vitamin C supplement. And this is super important because traditional oral vitamin C is difficult for your body to absorb in the amounts that Dr. Levy and other experts recommend for good health. Your body can only absorb as much vitamin C as you have transporters to carry it. Um, liposomal technology basically bypasses that system. According to a 2019 study, white blood cells absorbed 50% more vitamin C from lipospheric vitamin C than a vitamin C powder. And high-dose vitamin C powder um, and pills can also lead to gastric distress, and that is not the case with liposomal technology. So, if you'd like to learn more, you can go to liveonlabs.com and that's l-i-v-no-e-l-i-v-o-n-l-a-b-s.com. They make a number of uh, excellent products, including their liposomal glutathione, which they're unfortunately currently sold out of but they also have a magnesium l3 and 8 product they have a b complex uh just check them out they are awesome they make these little packets Um, all their products all their products are highly bioavailable and um yeah they're just good people so again liveonlabs.com to uh to learn more Now, this is a super interesting show. I'm excited for you to do a deep dive with me into all things vitamin C. But just remember, you guys, before we dive in, that no single substance is ever going to be a panacea for your health. I mean, unless you have scurvy and then vitamin C, I guess, would be that panacea. But um, remember throughout, uh, like with every episode that I put out, to keep your critical thinking hat on. All right. Before we get started, I want to give a shout-out to iTunes user AField23, who left this amazing review for the show on iTunes. AField23 wrote, I love this podcast. I can always depend on Max to state his true opinion without dancing around the subject, even if it's something that's considered sensitive, i.e. everything. He always says what his opinion is, but also not shaming anyone on the other side. He's opened up so many different ways of thinking for me. Far beyond food. And in my opinion, his taste buds are spot on with his brand recommendations. Well, thank you so much, AField23. Yeah, I think I've got good taste. And of course, I will only recommend products to you that I personally use and enjoy. That is something that is uh, always going to be true for this podcast. And I've turned down uh, the opportunity to work with many more brands than you guys will ever know, but just simply because either their product isn't good enough or they don't walk the walk in terms of their. Um, how good for you they claim to be. Um, And I'll always give you caveats. For example, if I recommend something that is a a processed food but is a treat that I enjoy, I'm going to let you know. So thank you for trusting me um, and continuing to listen. And uh, yeah, if you're just tuning in for the first time, remember to subscribe because I put up new podcasts, new episodes of the show every Wednesday. And um, you can join my newsletter at maxlugavere.com. You can text me at 310-299-9401. I love hearing from you. And please continue to spread the word about what we're doing here at The Genius Life. It means a lot. We're almost at 5 million downloads. And um, yeah, the buzz online every time I post an episode. You guys are just so freaking great. And I appreciate you so much. And uh, yeah, just um, keep doing what you're doing. Now, we're just about to get started with this, baby. But uh, keep in mind... Dr. Levy's views do not necessarily reflect those of this episode's sponsor. Live On Labs manufactures dietary supplements, thus the products are not intended to be used in any way to cure, treat, diagnose, or prevent any disease. As a preeminent vitamin C expert, Dr. Levy is a longtime supporter and friend of Live On Labs, but he is an independent consultant. The views discussed on this episode are those of Dr. Thomas Levy and not our sponsor, Live On Labs. Now, without further ado, here we go. All right, and we're rolling. Dr. Levy, thank you so much for being on The Genius Life. My pleasure, Max. Um, Well, you, you know, our our mutual friends, the the kind people at Live On Laboratories have spoken very highly of you and your work. And uh, I just couldn't wait to chat with you because you just seem to be somebody who, you know, is going to have all the answers about, you know, so many things. So um, thanks for taking the time and I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: My pleasure. I don't know about all the answers, but I think I have a lot of them.
0: Many answers, many answers, um, or at least an answer. We'll just we'll will go for an answer. Um, <laughs> before we got rolling, you said that you uh, there were some things that you wanted to say about the coronavirus, which is certainly you know topical. What are your thoughts there?
1: Well, in a nutshell, there's never been a virus that vitamin C has encountered and not resolved. I mean, completely inactivated or destroyed and it's done that to many different viruses already in the literature so many people refuse to be aware of it so all i'm saying to people with coronavirus is take a lot of vitamin c uh, and if you get sick take even more and what's even more important or as important is something i've recently been aware of which is nebulization or misting liquid nebulization with hydrogen peroxide 3 percent whenever you get your first symptoms because the virus propagates in the nasopharynx and the oropharynx and hydrogen peroxide, as we all know, if you put it on your skin, it kills what's there. If you put it in your nose and throat, it kills the pathogens there. And then that's like lopping the head off the snake and then you're much more able to resolve the rest of the virus that's still in your body because it's no longer being fed 24 seven in your nose and throat.
0: Wait, so are you suggesting to spritz your nasal cavity with hydrogen peroxide?
1: That can be done too, and that's a lesser way to do it, if you will. But no, I'm talking about you buy a device called a nebulizer, about $40 on Amazon, uh, in a little chamber. It blows air through a special device and turns the peroxide or other liquid into a fine mist. And you just breathe the mist in through your nose and throat, usually about 15 minutes at a time. and early on, a few times a day, and people will be amazed how quickly they overcome stuff that they spend so much money on and stay sick for such a long period of time.
0: Super interesting. As a medical expert, can you just kind of paint the picture? How big of a concern is this, really?
1: Well, let me first say I'm not a epidemiological uh, epidemic pandemic expert. I don't want to present myself in that fashion. And also gosh there's so much conflicting information it's really hard to know what's true and what's false i think the best thing we can say and the most reliable thing we can say is that this virus is highly contagious now there's a lot of questions as to how lethal it is or how sick it makes you there's a lot of asymptomatic cases but it's highly contagious and i think that's what's setting off the alarm Uh, and You know, this is uh, we get a lot of cases of the flu, too. And they say you can't really distinguish a good case of the flu from the coronavirus unless you do a blood test. So it's really hard to know how many of these viruses have been floating around there, including coronavirus. uh, But when you don't test for them, you just don't know. But bottom line is uh, my recommendations on vitamin C and three percent hydrogen peroxide nebulization will pretty much apply to any virus. I'm not aware of any systemic virus that you get that doesn't come in through your nose and mouth and is not further propagated by replication of the virus in those mucous membranes. I would say to anybody listening, be concerned, but don't be scared. If you take the vitamin C, nebulize with peroxide, remember that vitamin C, and this is important to what we're talking about in general, Max, is the primary way in which you arm and strengthen your immune system. In one of my first books, I isolated 19 different ways in the literature that vitamin C is documented to strengthen and support the immune system. More T cells, more B cells, more antibodies, more interferon, all of this is directly stimulated by vitamin C and this is one of the reasons why it's so powerful not only against viruses but against any infection.
0: Wow, okay, so obviously vitamin C is something that you are incredibly passionate about, you've written extensively about, but let's just take a step back. For listeners who are not familiar with you or your work, what is your, tell us about your background and the kinds of things that you have chosen to focus and uh, study and write about.
1: Well, I'm a cardiologist, board certified cardiologist, and ironically enough, a bar certified attorney. That's a whole other story. I've been working with vitamin C for some 25 years now from when I first met Dr. Hal Huggins, uh, the maverick dentist in Colorado Springs that first started speaking about the dangers of mercury and fillings as well as infected teeth. And I saw in his clinic in Colorado Springs, patients get better in a few hours from things they weren't supposed to get better from. I'm not saying cure, but get much better, and it confused me greatly because I had never seen patients uh, severely ill perk up so quickly. And I thought at first it was just the dental work, but then Dr. Huggins pointed at the IV, and it turned out all these patients were getting 50 grams, 50,000 milligrams of vitamin C intravenously. And not to pat myself on the back, but I am not one to deny what I'm witnessing. And I saw it over and over again, and I said, okay, Dr. Idiot, I think it's about time you start researching vitamin C. And that has led me on a phenomenal pathway uh, in which uh, I've written the books that you've talked about, 12 at this point in time, several focusing on vitamin C. And it just blew me away to see how much information there is in vitamin C in the refereed, peer-reviewed medical literature. It's actually, arguably, you wouldn't know this talking to most mainstream doctors, but it's actually one of the most researched substances in PubMed, in in research. Uh, uh, Probably last count, some 90,000 articles. So it's something that's very important. Most people say, oh, well, vitamin C, I I know that's good for you. And actually, that, that does vitamin C a great disservice because it's actually the singular most important molecule in your body because it supplies electrons and electrons are the fuel that runs all your cells. When you're short on electrons, you have oxidation. When you have a lot of electrons, you have reduction. Oxidized biomolecules don't work and reduced biomolecules do work. And as simplistic as that sounds, that is the basis of all disease.
0: So the current recommended dietary allowance, the RDA for vitamin C, is sixty milligrams per day, which is essentially set to prevent um, you know scurvy in the uh, from becoming a significant threat in the population. Is that not enough vitamin C to reap all the benefits that you're that you're talking about?
1: It's only about a thousandfold too short. <laughs> uh, most people should be somewhere, and I say most people because, Everybody's oxidative stress is different, which means their need and demand for vitamin C is different. Severely ill patients with lots of infections need a lot. A young well person needs less, but everybody needs on the order, in my opinion, of at least two to 3,000 milligrams up to 10, 11, 12,000 milligrams. Uh, the liposome encapsulated forms are actually far more potent and you can settle with just 1 or 2,000 milligrams of those a day. But bottom line is we need these large volumes of vitamin C and they can't be obtained on the diet. However, that makes a lot of people ask, well, that doesn't sound natural. Why should you not be able to get what you need in a diet? That's just not natural. Well, what's also not natural is the human being genetically lost the ability to make its own vitamin C in the liver, which is something that the wild animals still have the ability to do. And wild animals that are the size of human beings make eight, nine, 10, 11,000 milligrams of vitamin C a day and secrete it directly into the blood. So that's really what's needed to maintain, achieve and maintain optimal health. Furthermore, in those wild animals, when they get stressed and have a big toxic or infectious challenge, they make 30, 40, 50,000 milligrams of vitamin C. So we don't have this ability at all. And because of it, and because we're all in the same boat, if you will, we simply sort of accept the fact that it's normal after age 45 or 50 to have two or three different diseases and be on four or five different medications. And we misinterpret good health to be somebody with symptoms suppressed by medications rather than just feeling good.
0: Fascinating, so is this why when you eat fresh, uh, say, animal liver, like like the liver from a grass-fed cow, it's actually a, a, a decent source of vitamin C?
1: Actually, it's a decent source of a lot of different vitamins and minerals, but that would not be one of your best sources of vitamin C uh it's synthesized in the liver but it's quickly released so it's not stored in the liver it's just made there uh and so that would actually not be the case uh as it turns out the vitamin c is so important in your neurons you have a hundredfold, okay ten thousand percent more vitamin c inside your neurons than you do circulating in your blood and those are the cells in your body that you have to keep an optimal function obviously Uh, The immune system, on the other hand, uh, the monocyte, which is the first cell that comes to the site of inflammation, which is always depleted of vitamin C, has 80-fold more vitamin C than the blood, 8,000%. I actually, after reviewing all the literature and seeing the patients that I've seen in the past and how they respond. My interpretation, I want to always like to differentiate between what is known in the literature and what my interpretation of it is. My interpretation of it is seeing how the vitamin C stimulates the immune system so many different ways and seeing how the monocyte, which is heavily loaded with vitamin C, is the first immune cell to the site of new inflammation that's acutely depleted of vitamin C I actually believe the immune system's primary function is to deliver vitamin C and antioxidant capacity to areas where it's acutely depleted.
0: That's fascinating. So what role then would you say that vitamin C plays in the prevention of neurodegenerative conditions like Alzheimer's disease, uh, maybe even Parkinson's disease, other forms of dementia?
1: It plays an enormous role, however, I have to just quickly say though that and Dr. Huggins told me this a long time ago when I asked him a question about uh, using vitamin C to help somebody get over something. And he looked at me a little frustrated and he said, "Tom, you have to dry. You, you can't dry off while you're still in the shower." And he was talking about the fact where there's mercury-infected teeth, environmental toxins, whatever, that have not been addressed and they're continuing to pour into the body on the daily basis. You can use good diet, good nutrition, good um, uh, vitamins and minerals and lots of vitamin C to slow the progress of something like a neurodegenerative disease. But you're pretty much never going to get a reversal or true stabilization until you identify what is the case with most people that have those disease is a large amount of chronic oral infection and toxins in the gums, in the teeth, in the form of root canals, in the tonsils, and in the sinuses. Probably well over 90% of these patients have those infections continually using up their vitamin C stores that would otherwise prevent the disease. In the case of Alzheimer's, we recently have a study where they had biopsies of the affected tissues in Alzheimer's, in the brain, and they show substantial concentrations of these oral pathogens. I think most significant chronic degenerative disease, my opinion again, is the fact that these different areas that are affected, the different organs, actually start because they're focally infected and then they use up all the antioxidants and vitamin C. And once you have that there, oxidation can prevail. And once oxidation prevails, you have disease.
0: So is consum so, okay, so we've got these oral infections. How do we I mean, how do we prevent those? I mean, it would feel like on top of that, adding vitamin C is just sort of acting like a band-aid. I mean, we want the vitamin C, but then also how do we how do we clean up our our oral health?
1: That's absolutely uh, correct, Max. Uh, my next to last book that I wrote is called Hidden Epidemic." And I wrote this because I stumbled one day on the fact that many people, including this person I went to the dentist with so she could have her root canals extracted. She had a very large infected abscess tooth that was completely pain free. And I couldn't believe it. And then I looked at some of these tests and I saw that there's a special test called a 3D cone beam examination And many, many, many people have substantial numbers of chronically abscessed teeth that don't hurt. But believe me, a chronically abscessed tooth, whether it hurts or not, is enormously toxic. I mean, well, think about an infection not uh, addressed anywhere in your body. Think about any area of your body that has an abscess. Those are always producing enormous amounts of toxins. So point being is, And it's summarizing a very large body of information in a few sentences. It's my contention because of the high incidence of asymptomatic pain-free oral infections that everybody, when they first go to the dentist, should get this test. And if it's fine, great. And if it's not, the teeth need to be addressed, usually extracted, because they're already completely trashed when they're infected, including the pulp. Uh, and then something along the lines of an implant if necessary. But the bottom line is, if it's normal, great. And let's say you have a normal one when you're 25, and then let's say when you're 35, oh, you develop diabetes or high blood pressure. Well, that's the time to get that test again, and you'd be amazed how many times a, a a tooth has become infected in the interim. And you're not really going to get over that disease until you get rid of the infection, like Doctor Huggins said. Until you turn off the shower.
0: Wow. So, what's the name of this test again? And do all dent? I mean, is it a common test available at, at, at dentist It's an
1: increasingly common test. Uh, all implant dentists have it. Most all endodontic root canal dentists have it. Although I don't recommend root canals. I'm just telling you has the the machine. And uh, an increasingly number, increasing number of the uh, of the general dentists have it, especially those with a a higher volume practice. But uh, uh, probably just getting on the phone in your local area, making two or three phone calls, you'll quickly find out somebody that has the you can call it the 3D x-ray,
0: the 3D x-ray. Okay, very cool. I was listening to another podcast with you as a guest and you were talking about. The role of digestive health. And so, you know, I mean, we know that there are, there are bacteria in the mouth. There are bacteria lining the digestive tract. Um, what, uh, what role would you say that digestion plays in, in all of this?
1: Well, digestion plays an enormous role. And an abnormal microbiome or balance of bugs, viruses, pathogens in your, in your gut truly exacerbates all diseases and causes many. The one thing that's being missed there, and this is something I've just recently written on, is the fact that there are many reasons why your gut can be worsened, but in my opinion, and uh, again, I like to qualify fact from opinion, in my opinion, most people The primary reason their gut is unbalanced is the fact that they have chronic pathogen colonization in their nose, uh, pharynx, and throat, Hmm. okay? Even when you have a cold and get over it, once you're over the cold, you very rarely go back to a normal flora in your throat. Instead, you colonize that area just like you'd have bacteria on a Petri dish. They're not forming an abscess, but they're laying there flat and growing, and they then get covered by biofilm so that antibiotics can never touch them. But what are you doing 24-7, as the young people like to say these days? Well, 24-7, you're swallowing these pathogens and you're swallowing the toxins that they produce. Uh, in a paper I put together called Reboot the Gut, you can basically go back to a normal flora unless you have a really advanced out of whack gut then you might if you already have advanced Crohn's disease i can't tell you that to resolve that but i can tell you it'll get a lot better is you uh, start nebulizing uh, initially with hydrogen peroxide sometimes dmso because both of these things break down biofilms very effectively and then they kill the pathogens and then you can follow another nebulization with something along the lines of vitamin c and magnesium chloride to help heal the tissues after they've been chronically infected and this is anecdotal i'm going to tell you but when i started doing this 24 hours later i had one of the most normal bowel movements of my life that's how quickly When you stop swallowing 24-7 these pathogens and toxins, your gut can start to adjust and normalize. The other important thing about gut dysbiosis is unless you're eating an organic diet or a gluten-free diet, uh, you're just eating enriched foods, those foods are enriched with iron. Many of it, much of it in the form of metallic iron filings, believe it or not. But any form of iron, metallic iron or not, is highly prooxidant, directly irritates the lining of the gut and is a primary factor in provoking and sustaining the leaky gut syndrome, which basically is the precursor to almost all digestive disorders. Once it starts leaking, you get proteins like gluten, which normally you can digest. But when they start leaking into the blood, they're very, very antigenic and they cause a lot of problems. So, all of that together, also one other important thing that's ignored a whole lot with good gut health is proper food combining. I see that I say that because the primary parameter which determines whether your gut is going to do a good job on a given day or a bad job is your gut transit time. You need to be having a bowel movement at least twice a day. If not, things are going too slow, and as they go slow, you digest. Less and rot more, and different food combinations are profoundly uh, impactful on this. Uh, a, an experiment done in the early part of the 19th century by the Nobel Prize winner uh, Dr. Ivan Pavlov found that carbohydrate in the gut of a in the stomach of a dog by itself took 60 to 90 minutes to uh, to pass. Uh, meat chips, protein by itself, took three hours. But then he combined the carbohydrate and the meat chips, you know, like a steak and potato, together, and they took nine hours to exit. So basically, it's a continual tube. If you're not pushing through at a certain rate, then everything else in the gut downstream stops, and the digestion subsides, and the putrefaction ensues.
0: But, I mean, is the rate of digestion really something that we can associate with, you know, poorer digestion? I mean, couldn't couldn't you argue that, like, meat is so, you know, it was just a much more nutrient-dense bolus that just took a longer time to— Oh, no, to- there's
1: no doubt. I mean, meat is harder to digest and will take a longer period of time. Uh, I just wanted to make the point that the most common food combinations that we culturally eat, most of us, every day— are absolutely anathema to good gut motility and rapid and and complete digestion. But no, I mean, uh, your your optimal diet really that nobody's ever going to do is a mono diet. You know, to have sort of one thing at a time, one thing at breakfast, one thing at lunch, one thing at dinner, nothing is interfering with its digestion. But that's obviously not practical. But the point is, is the... The physiology of digestion doesn't care what our culture wants. It's just following science.
0: That's very interesting. I just want to step back you because you mentioned something that I thought was kind of actually shocking. Um, they use metallic iron filings to uh, enrich processed foods with iron.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, if you go to YouTube and type in Dr. Levy iron video, it's nauseating, it's infuriating, it's maddening, but you just uh, grind up some total cornflakes, put them in a blender, and then put them in a bag, and then put a strong magnet on the outside and let them slash off, and you'll see a big knot of metallic iron fibers.
0: Oh, that is insane. Okay, I mean, I'm- You
1: want to make it even more insane? After I did this video, a few years later, a lady from Australia wrote me and said, you know, I worked in a cereal factory a few years ago, and the last thing that we did with a whatever a batch of cornflakes that we did was throw in a cupful of metallic iron filings and she said yesury metallic mire metallic metal uh, iron metallic iron filings it
0: was Wow. I, I'm going to have to see that to believe it, but I'm I'm definitely after this interview, I'm going to run over to YouTube and I'll, I, if I, whatever I find, I'll put in the, in the uh, show notes at my website, Um So speaking of iron, uh, it doesn't seem like, like excessive amounts of iron is a good thing. Where do you stand on the consumption of like foods like red meat?
1: Uh, I'm strongly in favor of consumption of foods, of red meat, but not the way most people do it. I mean, it should be, Part of a balanced diet, and maybe in a main meal, you should have one or two, at most three ounces of it. You shouldn't be knocking off a, a, a half a pound or a pound of steak because you're just never going to digest it completely. And what you don't digest, as I said, is going to rot and putrefy. And the significance of this is, and I know you've written a lot about diet, and and I don't mean to be offensive, but I want to make a point, And that is... If you have the most perfect diet, organic, high quality, everything, and you violate all these principles of amount and food combining and you digest extremely poorly, that poor digestion is gonna generate more anaerobic bacteria and toxins than if you ate a McDonald's diet, but digested it perfectly. Obviously what you want is the perfect diet, perfectly digested, but it's the digestion or lack thereof that's the real toxicity from the gut.
0: Okay, so I wanna get prescriptive now for my audience. How can we, um, and then I wanna talk about liposomes because I think that's an important and cool topic to to get to discuss. But so from the mouth to the gut, how do we then, uh, how do we minimize these infections in the mouth? I mean, what's like a good oral, dental health care protocol in your eyes and then, like, walk me through an optimized, you know, three meals a day, or maybe it's fewer than that, maybe it's more than that, I don't know. Walk me through a day of eating in, uh, in terms of optimal food combining digestion and nutrition.
1: Well, as I said, you need to adjust that chronic pathogen colonization and uh, doing the nebulizations I talked about. I, I have more detail on that in the article on my website. People can look at that later. Uh, and then assuming you don't have... The toxins in your mouth the infected teeth which you do the 3d x-ray to rule out so now we're just going down to basic diet and eating i would still go back to the fact that i can't rattle them all off at the top of my head right now because they have books written about this but um food combining is not something touchy-feely it's very physiologically sound and when you raw- combine the wrong foods you 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 it plays re- it, plays havoc on your gut now uh also along the lines of the iron that i talked about you absolutely have to avoid anything that says it's enriched Hmm. enriched means it has iron added to it most of the time metallic but it doesn't really matter it's just worse if it's metallic but any added iron calcium iron and copper what i call the three toxic nutrients Hmm. They're absolutely essential at a low level of intake and they're absolutely toxic at higher levels of intake. I, I say they're, they're required for life at low levels and they're required for cellular death at higher levels. Uh, there are a few things, believe it or not, that are more toxic directly to you at high doses than iron and calcium. Both of those agents directly play a role not only in malignant transformation of cells, but of increasing the oxidative stress inside sick cells until they die. Obviously when you have otherwise normal cells dying, that's disease also. So actually going through a three meal plan, I wouldn't know what to tell you, except that I would say obey the rules of food combining and, and eat light. I think it's a whole lot better to eat small meals and have nutritious snacks than to be be packing away the majority of your food at a lunch or at a dinner. Also, and it's a whole lot more significant for older folks like myself, but you got to know it's not good for the digestion of younger people either, is not to have the massive dinners, okay? Uh, Again, you know, if you're 25 and you feel great after you have a steak and potatoes at 9 or 10 p.m. at night, This is not going to seem to be important to you, and I understand that. But just understand that as you get older and you make less digestive enzymes, we lose our ability to make digestive enzymes, all of a sudden those meals that you tolerated so well start giving you the gas and the heartburn and and waking you up in the middle of the night. And sometimes it takes a long time or sometimes people never even realize it's because of the way they're eating because they tolerated it so well when they were younger. So all of these things come into play. Uh, so I, I would say you know, quality foods, properly food combined, uh, small amounts each time, and generally, generally, if you if you really like to have a big meal, that should be your lunch, not your not your dinner.
0: Yeah, I agree. And in terms of uh, where food bi- combining is concerned, I've never really uh, talked about it in, you know in, in great detail other than making the recommendation that, you know, your meals generally should be either, you know, they could be low fat, high carb or, uh, low carb, high fat. If you have a high fat, high carb meal, that to me is just too, um, analogous to the obesogenic you know, the, the problems with the standard American diet and the chow that they feed to rats to make them overweight and type two diabetic. So I, I guess it's beyond just the individual foods, but it's more about like, you know, eat a, eat a high fat, high fiber, low carb meal, or eat a low fat, high carb meal. But once you do, once you combine both fat and carbs, um, that's where I think you get problems. And maybe that, that steak and potatoes dog study that you mentioned, I mean, maybe it was more of a function of the fact that it was a high, high fat, high carb meal meal that they fed to these animals
1: Uh, it could be i one of my first books that i wrote was on this it was called optimal nutrition for optimal health uh it didn't sell that well but uh it's got all these principles in there some of the first stuff that i picked up working with dr huggins uh, until i started moving on to the vitamin c writing
0: Hmm. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about liposomes because you and I were connected thanks to our good friends at live on labs and uh, I've been a customer of theirs uh, for a while I would buy these glutathione liposome packets I would buy their vitamin C liposome packets what if you can describe for my audience what liposomes are, why we should be aware of them and how they, you know, uh, the benefits that they provide over I guess, you know, taking vitamin C. Uh, in a pill form.
1: Excuse me. (coughs) Um, Liposomes were discovered in the 1960s in an effort to make an artificial cell Hmm. uh, so that they could do uh, different types of experiments on that. And in so doing, they actually made something that had (coughs) the same components of the cell wall as a cell in your body. What's called a bilipid membrane, Hmm. made of a substance called phosphatidylcholine. Well, as it turned out, as they did more work on it, they found when they made these liposomes very small, that they could pass directly into cells without the consumption of energy. And they would either go through small pores in the cell or they would directly bind the membrane and then open up by a process called reverse pinocytosis and directly push and deposit their contents inside the cell. And as it turns out, there's a lot of information in the literature where you have basically, if you want to call it, a very tiny liposome occurring naturally, called an exosome. And these are used throughout the body for cell-to-cell intercommunication at a distance. This even includes how stem cells affect other cells remotely. So bottom line is, uh, in the literature, it was used mostly in research for intravenous usage to give smaller doses of chemotherapy for cancers, etc. And not a whole lot of attention was placed on the delivery of nutrients, although many things have been successfully encapsulated. So what happens now with like the Live On products is they they did a lot of research, a lot of work and they basically found a way to m- consistently make liposomes of a, roughly the same size, 100 to 200 nanometer. And as it turns out, when you take something like that orally, it almost completely gets absorbed. So you never really get anything going down to the intestine and causing the classical vitamin C flush or osmotic diarrhea on the other hand these liposomes are so small that many of them go straight into the lymphatic surgery lymphatic circulation from the gut rather than go through the portal circulation through the liver and those lymphatics go directly into a dense area of immune cells that surrounds all the gut you have a very large concentration of immune cells around your gut and so The first thing they can do is start depositing their components directly into the immune cells. Remember I said, the most important thing for your immune system is to load it up with vitamin C. And then once that has been fairly well sated, then they can continue to flow on through the lymph until they dump out through the thoracic duct into the bloodstream. And then circulating in the bloodstream, they're free to go to all the different cells throughout the body and do the same thing to those cells. And the important thing is, is it does it without the consumption of energy. When you give vitamin C intravenously, you need to consume energy to get that unencapsulated vitamin C taken up into the cell. So it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. You, you're using up energy to get an energy-delivering substance into the cell. So because of that, and this what I'm going to tell you is anecdotal, I have seen roughly equivalent clinical impact with oral liposome encapsulated vitamin C versus an equal or even slightly higher dose given intravenously. Mind you, if I was sick, I want both, okay? I want to be greedy, I want both. But the fact of the matter is the delivery system of the liposomes uh, gets a lot of impact. It effectively works, and this is emphasized much, It effectively works as a long-acting form of something that is otherwise flushed out of your system very quickly. You get regular vitamin C into your blood, and then some gets used, and the rest quickly gets flushed out to the urine. Once you get the liposomes in your blood, they go into the cell, and as your blood level drops, it's not because it's going out in the urine. It's because it's going into the cell and getting essentially trapped there. That would be your long-acting form. So... Bottom line is uh, a a lot of clinical impact has been seen with this liposome preparation. The only thing I would say to anybody listening is then they might go online and I will disclose, I'm a consultant to live on labs for about 14 or 15 years and I only did it because I wasn't even interested in their product but they sent me some anyway and when I got sick once and I didn't have the IV available, I said, what the heck, I used it, I felt great and I said, something doesn't doesn't something doesn't seem right here and so i had to repeat that experience with family and friends a few more times until i said well you ought to look into this but i would say this live on has had such a fabulous success oh i can't count the number of competitors that have come out of the woodwork but they call themselves liposomes and they're not liposomes hmm they'll still get benefit. The patient will still get benefit because there's vitamin C in the product. So that's why they don't get caught, if you will, because a lot of the patients will still feel better. But the real tragedy is when you have a severely ill patient, cancer patient, and they want the liposome delivery to get a lot into the cancer cells. And when they don't get the effect they want, then they say, well, liposomes failed me. And if it's one of those other companies, the liposomes didn't fail you because there weren't liposomes there. So it's a very pricey way to do supplements, but a very highly effective one. Uh, And I have articles written on this on my website, too, where people can understand. Because the homemade liposomes that talk about this online, no such thing as a homemade preparation. Okay. They can call it all they want. It's an emulsion. It's not a liposome preparation. Now, an emulsion will allow you to absorb vitamin C better into your blood but it won't have that unique intracellular uh, delivery of the vitamin C that the liposomes have.
0: Super, uh, super interesting. Yeah, I mean, so what you're saying is basically they, they, you take one of these packets and I don't know, I've bought them for three or, or four dollars, I forget, but that's, I mean, that's gonna be a lot less expensive than getting an IV of vitamin C. Um, and we know that when you take a supplement, like a vitamin C pill, Um, that the, is it, is it true that the amount of vitamin C that you absorb, it's, uh, it's tightly regulated. Like you're not going to necessarily absorb if you were to take a 1000 milligram of vitamin C pill. Um, but that the, whether you're using an IV or a liposome, uh, formulation, it's it becomes a lot more bioavailable.
1: Absolutely. Well, and this is one of the reasons just the poor absorption of regular vitamin C is why, the rough estimation is that a single gram of the liposome encapsulated can have the clinical impact clinical impact of ten or more grams of regular vitamin C taken orally. Wow. You know, if you take five hundred milligrams of vitamin C, a large amount of that is absorbed. You start taking a gram, less is absorbed. You take three, four, or five grams, less is absorbed, and you can go from roughly sixty percent absorption at tiny doses down to 10 or 15% at the larger doses. Now that doesn't mean you don't benefit from taking larger doses of regular C because even the lower percentage still is getting more vitamin C into the system. Uh, And I don't agree at all with that stupid saying about a lot of vitamin C just makes expensive urine. But the point is, is for anything to get absorbed at X percentage into your body, let's say I'm just going to pick a figure. Let's say 20% of the vitamin C circulating in your blood gets where you want it to go and the rest gets excreted. So they say, well, why take more if so much is getting excreted? Because more means another 20% of what you take is going to get where you want it to go while the rest is excreted. And that's the case with anything that's water soluble. So it's really a a nebulous, uh, intelligent, free argument to to make the old um, expensive urine argument.
0: Yeah, very interesting. And also those high doses of of oral vitamin C are going to cause digestive discomfort, right? Like diarrhea.
1: Well, um, it, it depends on what you're expecting. I will say this, it's a very good habit to take a large amount of regular vitamin C, sodium ascorbate, and deliberately cause that diarrhea, say, once a week or so, because It will always help flush out residual rotting food, get toxins out before they get absorbed, uh, and is a very good habit for resetting your gut, if you will, uh, on a more routine basis. I'm not necessarily advising this, but I did, personally, uh, bowel-tolerance doses of vitamin C for several years. But I always had the benefit, I didn't have to go to an office So I was always at home, and I was able, obviously, you have to have your facilities readily available to you. You don't go doing this if you know you're not going to be able to get to the bathroom until noon.
0: So, like, don't don't take 10 grams of oral vitamin C before going on a road trip, you're saying?
1: (laughs) There you go. Absolutely.
0: So that's an interesting idea, this vitamin C cleanse. How, like, uh, tell me more about that. So you you could potentially take ten, I don't know, 10, five to ten grams. I guess everybody's bowel tolerance is going to be different, but you could take a high dose of oral vitamin C, and uh, and it's just like a it just cleanse you out.
1: That's right, and as you said, it's different for different people. Usually, the good way to do it is to use sodium ascorbate powder because it doesn't aggravate your stomach. And for most people, again, we're generalizing here, you do uh, one or two teaspoons, that's uh, seven or eight grams, and with a full glass of water, wait an hour if nothing happens, uh, do another teaspoon and so on. Uh, And then for most people, for most people, it'll happen after 13, 14, 15, 16 grams. Some less, some never reach a bowel tolerance, but there are many of those. The important thing though, that has not gotten emphasized in the past is if you do this, and it's a very good habit for neutralizing residual toxins being formed in the gut. If you do this, start it first thing in the morning. You don't wanna have a lot of new undigested food downstream from the vitamin C coming in. You want all the old stuff down there from 12 hours before because then you go ahead and push all that out and then you clean out in front of it. But if you have a lot of undigested food, let's say you had a big breakfast, huge breakfast, and then did this about 10 or 11 a.m. or big breakfast and big lunch and did this at two or three in the afternoon, guess what? All that tension doesn't have anywhere to go and your bowel can blow up like a balloon and cause enormous discomfort. And for people that don't have healthy bowels, it can even pop a diverticulum. So, first thing in the morning works like a charm. Uh, always take as much fluid as you can, as you can tolerate. You can take juice, but usually water is the way to go.
0: Super interesting. Yeah, it reminded me of a time when uh, I. Uh, if you're ever, if you're going to do this, you got to do it with, you know, around people that you're comfortable with. I had a girlfriend once and we, um, this is before I, I actually thought that uh, the laxative effect of prunes was owed to their fiber. And I eat a fair amount of fiber because I eat like uh, a salad every day at least, you know, I'm, I'm big on vegetables. And uh, I was like, there's not, there's not that much fiber in prunes. How, you know, what kind of laxative effect can prunes really have? And I actually really enjoy the taste of prunes. I love prunes, like they just taste really good. So me and this and this, uh, this girl that I was dating at the time, we bought, <laughs> um, we went to Trader Joe's and we bought like a whole bag of these like organic prunes and we were gonna have like a Netflix and chill night, which means that we were gonna hang out at my house and watch a movie and we were just snacking on prunes as if it was popcorn, I kid you not. And no no later than about a half an hour into the movie, uh, I had like this like <laughs> sound in my stomach, like this like rumbling, twisting sound. And from that point forward, I was probably in and out of the bathroom, um, I don't know, maybe fifteen times. I kid you not. And the same thing happened to her. It was really funny, but thankfully we were we were comfortable with one another at that point. So the moral of the story is, well, you also,
1: also had to draw straws to see who got to go.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. And and the, I guess the other the other take home message is that it wasn't the fiber. It's not the fiber and prunes that causes that effect. It's the sugar alcohols um, that draws water into the gut, very similarly uh, as I as I suppose vitamin C does. So. Very interesting stuff. Um, so when, you know, Live On Labs also has this product, glutathione, that I have been taking. It's, uh, you know, I'll, I'll kind of increase my, the, the dose when I'm traveling, because I feel like I'm on runways a lot and I'm inhaling jet fumes. Do you have any thoughts about, because I know oral glutathione is also pretty poorly bioavailable, but uh, in liposomes, in, in the liposomal formulation, maybe it's a little bit more bioavailable. Are you a, are you a fan of liposomal glutathione?
1: Yes, it's, it's a lot more bioavailable. It's even much more bioavailable than IV glutathione. Now, mind you, they're doing some great stuff with IV glutathione in Parkinson's patients and this sort of thing, so I'm, I'm not suggesting it's without value, but glutathione is a tripeptide, three amino acids linked together. When you take it intravenously, within a minute, uh, the enzymes in your blood have broken it down into three separate amino acids, which means... In order to get a glutathione molecule reassembled inside your cell, you need to consume energy three separate times to pull each amino acid into the cell. And then you need to consume more energy in the form of ATP twice to resynthesize and hook up those three amino acids in back into the glutathione molecule. So even though you gave it in the blood, you needed to consume energy five times to get that glutathione assembled inside the cell. When you take it with a liposome, you don't need to consume energy, any energy at all because it delivers it just as effectively as it does the vitamin C. And I've been talking about this a lot, and I've still been patiently waiting. I mean, I, I'm not in a clinical practice, so I, I sort of practice arm's length medicine with a lot of doctors around the world. And I've been trying to get some docs interested in using the oral liposome encapsulated glutathione, because I'm convinced it will not only work as good, it'll work better than the intravenous. And of course, getting your glucose, uh, excuse me, your glutathione levels up in the cells only helps everything. Glutathione Hmm. is the most concentrated and technically most important antioxidant inside your cells. Vitamin C is important in keeping the glutathione regenerated in a, in a reduced state so it can work to uh, detox.
0: Super interesting. So va- glutathione helps to recycle vitamin C and it's our body's master detoxifier. And so, yeah, that's um, that's super powerful information. I, I Whenever I'm traveling, I'll, I'll always take Live On Labs uh, vitamin C, their lipospheric vitamin C and the glutathione with me. Um, I'm also a big fan of their magnesium threonate, which, uh, you know, independently of the, the relationship that, you know, we may have with Live On Labs, magnesium threonate is this very interesting form of magnesium, um, which perhaps you could speak to, but it's of particular, particular relevance to anybody concerned about brain health, correct?
1: Yeah, and I'm, <coughs> I might add the live On magnesium is encapsulated magnesium threonate.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's great.
1: So, uh, no, the 3 and 8 crosses the blood-brain barrier better, and the interesting thing about it is, wow, it is very difficult by regular forms of magnesium, almost impossible to take too much, because you get the bowel effect, like with the vitamin C, long before you've taken in too much magnesium. Now, on the other hand, if you take a large amount of magnesium intravenously, uh, that has definite toxicity, and... Being a powerful calcium channel blocker, natural, uh, magnesium can basically dial your blood pressure all the way down to zero if you take too much of it, or intravenously. So, however, the, the liposome encapsulated forms uh, appear to really split the difference well. We, we don't have yet uh, a large database to look at uh, actual cell levels because the important thing about magnesium to remember is that over 99 percent of magnesium unlike vitamin C is intracellular and of the intracellular magnesium 95 percent is in the mitochondria so you could have uh, a normal blood level of magnesium as a lot of people do and still be severely low in your body stores of magnesium so uh, but as you mentioned already the three and eight is excellent uh, for supporting uh, good brain health above and beyond everything else but believe me you want magnesium everywhere magnesium deficiency causes directly a great deal of diseases and it provokes and aggravates and worsens 100 percent of all diseases so there are a few things more critical to obtaining good health than correcting magnesium deficiencies.
0: Something I've always wondered, does the dosage that you take of magnesium threonate count towards your overall daily uh, requirements for magnesium? Um, Or would you take both magnesium threonate and and say magnesium glycinate to meet your your daily magnesium needs?
1: No, no, I think uh, you could just take the magnesium threonate. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though. I think probably for a lot of people, the 3 and 8 straight up is more expensive than the glycinate. Is that right?
0: Yeah, generally, I, I don't know for sure, but I would assume <laughs> that to be true.
1: So, I mean, that would be a good good reason to combine the two, if you will. But I don't think there's any downside to making all of your <clears throat> oral magnesium supplementation of the 3 and 8 form. But there are benefits on all the different forms. Uh Uh, Because, you know, you're looking at a cation and an anion, you know, the cation is the magnesium, but the anion can have a wide variety of different additional functions in the body.
0: Got it. Um, So I just want to close the loop because we don't have, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of time left. But so the vitamin C, because I know that that's your you know, you're kind of bread and butter in terms of what you write about and talk about and speak about. So what is the recommendation for people? I think we kind of touched on this earlier in the show, but just to, just to kind of bring it back. Um, who's the kind of person that should be supplementing with vitamin C? Um, what are the best vitamin C containing foods? And, uh, and do you have any concern about, um, so there was this interesting study Um, And it might actually be a testament to how effective vitamin C is at sniping oxidative stress. But in the post-workout window, it seems that taking too much vitamin C can actually um, negatively affect exercise uh, adaptation.
1: Yeah, I've heard that and I really don't believe it. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know how well controlled that study was, and a lot of times they just look at an experimental parameter, but I can tell you bottom line is you exercise hard, you for lack of a better word, tear down muscle, and nothing's better for muscle repair, muscle regeneration, et cetera, uh, than a good source of electrons as is provided by vitamin C and and also by magnesium would be very good as well. So um, I even did a lot of weightlifting in the past. Uh, My back doesn't allow it anymore, but uh, we would always take a lot of IVs at the clinic with vitamin C, 50 grams, et cetera, then go lift weights and Some days it wasn't predictable, but some days my my strength would temporarily decrease to twice what it routinely was. So if I could ever figure out the quite quite what the relationship was, because you know, we weren't doing anything physiologically or controlled. We were just taking a lot of vitamin C and seeing what we could do. But some days something would click and the strength would just at least temporarily go up astronomically.
0: Wow, that's super interesting. So generally, people should be taking how much vitamin C per day and in what, from what sources?
1: Well, let's say if you've—I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to couch this by saying if you made sure that your mouth is clean and done your 3D test and you're just dealing with the stresses and toxins of life, you know, somewhere between uh, 3 and 9 grams of regular vitamin C taken in divided doses— one or two grams of the liposome C, if you want to do that instead. Uh, the four other super critical supplements, in my opinion, are magnesium, and vitamin D3, vitamin K2, and a good form of iodine such as iodorol. I maintain that if you can't afford a lot, you should definitely afford those because those are the, those are the five most critical ones. Uh, matter of fact the top four the vitamin c the magnesium the k and the d each one individually decreases all-cause mortality decreases your chance of death from anything so they're positively impacting all your cells so uh doses are going to vary highly but those are the basic doses for vitamin c you want vitamin d3 to maintain a blood level between 50 and 100 nanogram per cc probably about a thousand micrograms of K2 a day Uh, and figure out your bowel tolerance dose of magnesium, but never miss an opportunity whenever you get an IV for any reason to also get magnesium, half a gram, gram, depending on the volume added to it because that helps bump up your magnesium stores incredibly
0: and one thing that i learned recently greatly de- depletes magnesium stores is alcohol is that am i correct
1: any t- <clears throat> any toxin depletes it hmm. and this is this is one of the reasons why we all face such significant magnesium deficiencies that are hard to overcome is the fact that gosh i think every year who knows how many more toxins we're being exposed to and you got to you're going to pay the piper if you're taking electrons away those electrons have to be repleted. And if you um, you just can't wave a magic wand and, and just say, well, five grams of vitamin C took care of me two years ago and, and think that five is gonna take care of you now because your toxin profile has changed.
0: Very interesting. Um, well, I think that's about <laughs> all the time that we have. Uh, Dr. Levy, this was a real treat to get to chat with you. Um, what is the title of your latest book so that listeners can go and check that out? Uh,
1: Magnesium Reversing Disease. You can get it off my website or off of Amazon. And the one before that was Hidden Epidemic that I told you that had in- information about the dental toxicity of the 3D x-ray.
0: And what is your website?
1: Uh, PeakEnergy.com. P-E-A-K-E-N-E-R-G-Y.com.
0: That's a great website. Who doesn't want Peak Energy?
1: I yeah I got interested early on. I must have had that website for over for about 25 years now. <clears throat> and I've had many people try to buy it and I say no way.
0: Well, I'm going to be upping my vitamin C intake uh, after this conversation for sure. What are what are some of your favorite vitamin C containing foods?
1: Um Well, you know, I any any fresh vegetable or fruit, meats don't contain that much and it's not like I have a favorite vitamin C containing f- food that I eat because it's got a lot of vitamin C because as I said, you're never going to get enough vitamin C from your diet. So I wouldn't couch it in those terms. So I, uh, but fruits and vegetables obviously are, are high on the list.
0: Got it. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I'm, I'm grateful to have a, r- a relationship with live on Labs. So they send me these vitamin C packets. And so I take them, I take about uh, you know, one gram a day. Um, From them and I you know as I mentioned I have the glutathione Um, so yeah all good stuff well before we wrap there's just one last question that gets asked everybody that's on the show Uh, you can take it wherever you'd like what does it mean to you to live a genius life
1: well I suppose it means to me appreciation for being aware of the best ways to support good health and happy that I think I'm aware of the right things to do
0: I like that Well, thank you for your time again. This was, uh, this was awesome. I also want to thank Live on Labs for uniting us and for making this, uh, interview happen. You guys can go and check them out at liveonlabs.com and it's L-I-V-O-N-L-A-B-S. There's no E in the live and it's, yeah, L-I-V-O-N-L-A-B-S.com. Um, thanks Dr. Levy to all you guys out there in podcast land. Thank you as always for tuning in. I value your time and attention. Please spread the word about the genius life. I would very much appreciate that. Help us grow the show and text me. If you live in the US or Canada, you can text me at 310-299-9401 to let me know what you thought about the show. I look forward to hearing from you and I will catch you on the next episode. Peace, guys.
1: Thank you, Max.